good to see everybody. I missed you. I didn't get to come last year. Um, I didn't travel at all, which was weird for me because I usually travel a lot. So it's nice to be kind of back in the saddle again. I was in Texas last month and then obviously here now. And, um, and then in two weeks I'll be in Florida, but that doesn't count. That's a holiday. The Lord might have me witness to someone at Disney World, but other than that, it's just, just the sun and the fun. And then, uh, then what's next? California, I think, in May, and Canada in July, and September, and a few different places as well. So anyways, it's nice to be traveling again, and there's a fire burning in my heart. I'll share more as the service goes on over the next few days about what's going on in me and what's going on in us, but um, you'll just kind of see it as it happens and as it unfolds. And so I don't want to take too much time kind of talking about um, what we're into, what's going on. I believe the presence of the Holy Spirit is my endorsement, and so that's the only one I'm looking for particularly. But I do want to say this. You've been standing with us and praying with us for years in what we do. I've been over, well, Angela and I have been over in England now for just a few months, over six years, and I can't believe how fast that's gone. And um, it is. It's 14 years since I came here first time. We go away every April, like I said, to Disney World. We go on this time with Levi. And... Um, We've been married for 15 years in April. Can you believe that? It makes me feel really old. And, uh, so I'm kind of excited about that because it's nice to think you've been married for 15 years. And the other part of me sort of waiting for these wrinkles to appear. Actually, did I tell you, two Christmases ago, Angela and I give each other stockings. And the first thing I opened with this little kind of pot about this big, I couldn't figure out quite what it was. It was wrinkle cream. So I didn't know whether to say thank you or not. But anyways, I've been using it, so apparently it was, I don't know if it's working or not. But anyway, maybe it's the joy of the Lord's my strength. I don't know. Amen. Where was I before the wrinkle cream? Oh, yes. We've been there six years. And so we've just recently moved into our own building as a church. We've been um, renting a school and setting up and tearing down, which the larger you get, the more difficult that becomes. But one of the biggest challenges for churches in Europe is finding somewhere to meet, finding properties. Probably right if, if you were right in New York City or right in L.A., that's how hard it would be, but maybe even a little bit more than that. It's really difficult to find property. And so God has opened up an incredible place for us. Had to do a lot of work and a lot of renovation. And maybe I'll show you some pictures over the next couple of days if I can get myself sufficiently organized. But what I wanted to talk about is the strategy of it. Just before we moved to Europe, so this would be um, October of 2000 and, help me, five. Probably. October 2005, I was in Australia. And I'd flown over there, and this was the last overseas trip I was doing before we moved over to England. And so I'd flown, it was one of those, if you've ever been to Australia, it takes a long time to get there. I flew from Buffalo to Chicago, Chicago to L.A., L.A. to Auckland, New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand to Brisbane. Landed, and about three hours later, I was supposed to be preaching. And so the service that night was in a church um, just outside of Brisbane, and it was a youth service, and it was loud, loud, loud. And I knew it was going to be loud because I'd been there before. And to be honest with you, all I wanted was, um, well, you know that funny kind of some cucumbers from my eyes. I wanted to lay back, relax, and, and not think about anything. And so here I am, and it's as loud as you could possibly expect it to be. And so anyways, I did my thing. I preached my message. The service went well. And I can honestly say I was as into it as into it can be when you're that tired. And so the service ended, and the pastor came up to me. And his name's Steve Swenson, really, really nice guy. And he's a good friend of mine. We didn't know each other quite so well then. And uh, he comes up to me and says, John, he says, I, I, I believe I've got a word for you. And I was hoping the word was, the car's waiting outside. Let's rush to the hotel. We're not going to eat. Just go home and sleep. And so he said this. He said, either I'm the prophet of the century, he said, or I've had way too much, you know, pizza for lunch. And so I didn't want a word, to be honest with you. I was exhausted, and you get lots of words, and I really didn't want one there. I wasn't trying to be ungrateful, but I didn't want one. 
And he said this. He said, he said, I feel like the Lord told me when you were preaching. And I hadn't told anybody in Australia. He didn't know about it. It wasn't on Facebook. No one had any clue. He said, I feel like the Lord told me that you and your wife are about to move to another continent and you're going to plant a church. He said, am I right? Am I the prophet of the century? And so I said, yes, you are. And I was slightly surprised, you know. And he said, well, he said, this is what God told me. He said, two things about this church you're going to plant. He said, number one, he said, history books will be written about what God does in that place. And he said, number two, he said, the calling on that church is to change the spiritual climate of the continent. He said, what continent are you going to? I said, Europe. He said, oh, drat, I hope you're coming to Australia. So... Anyways, that's when really all that God put in my heart when I was six years old, and many of you know my story, when I saw that, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I saw this awakening. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you don't know me? Wave at me if you think, who is this crazy guy? Okay, everyone else does. Sorry. You're out of luck. I'm sure it's on a website somewhere. But. So that vision that you know about, God put in my heart when I was six years old. If you were to sum it up in one sentence, it would be this, to change the spiritual climate of a continent. And so God began to deal with, this is how it's going to happen. You'll change the spiritual climate of individuals, then families, then the region you're in, and then one day the nations. And so when we moved into this new building, I didn't know the, the significance of quite where we are until we'd been in about two or three weeks. And I was talking with this new couple that had just joined the church since we moved in. He is a, a what's the joint surgeon, bone surgeon, um, orthopedic surgeon. His wife is an eye surgeon. They used to be Sikhs. And so we were talking, and he said this. He said, John, he said, you realize that the church is within a mile of Europe's largest Sikh temple, don't you? And I didn't, to be honest with you. I had no idea. But as we got to talking, we realized, if you were to take a map of the area we are, over here is Europe's largest Sikh temple. Right here is the largest mosque in Europe. Not the largest um, square footage, but the largest attended mosque in Europe. So here's the Sikh temple, here's the mosque. Right here is either the UK or Europe's largest Hindu temple. This thing is massive. And then just above us, about, I don't know, a quarter of a mile, is one of the UK's largest um, Buddhist centers. And if you, this is all within a mile and a half, and right smack dab in the middle, Guess who's there? It's us. With this, with this calling to change the spiritual climate. Well, the Bible says this. Those that sit in darkness are going to see a great light. I don't know if God wrote that for everybody or just for us, but we're claiming it. So it's time for that light of the gospel to shine like we've never experienced it shining before. Amen? It doesn't really matter what your background is or what you call yourself. The Bible says you're either saved or you're not. Born again or not. It really doesn't matter what you wear, what you look like, what your persuasion is. People need Jesus. Amen? Amen? And that's what we're there to do. So anyways, thank you, church, for praying for us, for standing with us, for sowing financially, for loving us, for believing in us, for being encouraging when we first went there and 30 people counting pregnant people twice was all that would possibly count. <laughs> Thank you for being with us and always being such a support and encouragement. Pastor Dave and Miss Robin, thank you so much for your love and your support and your families and so many people in this church that are still with us. God is doing great things. I'll tell you more as the, as the next few days go on, but God is doing great things. It's a testimony, not a boastimony, but some really spectacular things are going on. So, anyways, but we're here. And I believe God wants to do something very, very wonderful in us and you and in me over these next few days. But I learned something a long time ago. Like the psalmist, my prayer is always this. Lord, let my sentence come forth from your presence. 
Because I can preach until I'm hoarse and you're deaf and nothing's going to happen. We can lay hands on one another until we've got friction burns on our heads. Rub all the hair right off. And no change. But when the Holy Spirit comes, we're changed in a moment. Amen? So, do you want to stand or do you want to sit? Who said sit? Come on, stand up. We're going to worship. Man, I can see why the Lord sent me here. We give you thanks and we give you praise. And God, I pray, kick open closed doors. Kick open closed gates right now. Doors get you into a house. That's you. Gates get you into a city. God, I ask you right now, let something of an authority and a strength and a force and a weight come on us and come on me. Lord, I don't stand here in my own name. I don't stand here in my own authority. I stand here in the name of Jesus. And God, I ask you, kick open closed doors. Kick open closed gates. And let the King of Glory step in. My friend, there are doors that have closed in your life that will be kicked open this week. So this is the picture I have. Some of you are, are going to try and put your shoulder up against the door. You're moving the furniture in the way. It's not going to work, but you're going to give it your best shot. And I say with respect and with love, God bless you for it. But God is bigger. Others of you are standing back and saying, Lord, kick it open. And then others of you are going to go the next stage and say, I will just open the door and, and let the King of Glory come in. But there are times when God sort of does things almost whether we like it or not. But oh my friend, once those doors have opened, God does not stop there. He does not stop there. On the day of Pentecost, he kicked open the door of a house, a room in fact, an upper room. And then he went, he kicked open the door of the city. All of Jerusalem was filled with this doctrine the religious leaders said. That's the plan. That's how it works. As it was in the beginning, so it shall be in the end. He who was first will also be the same at the last. He who authored this thing will finish it. He who is Alpha is Omega. He who is the beginning is the end. The way he starts is the way he goes on. He says, I'm the Lord, I change not. First he comes and he fills a room. Then he comes and he fills the city. We might not like it, that might not be our style, but that's how he does it. So we need to have this attitude with respect, and I say it with a twinkle and a smile, get in, get out, or get run over. Because something is coming to planet Earth. Actually, it's someone. If we sit down, can you promise to stay standing on the inside? Promise? Okay, sit down for a minute, but don't get too comfy. 
Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to Acts chapter 2. Boy, it's nice to be back. We might need to move this front row out of the way for the rest of the services, or else we're going to be hitting chairs left, right, and center. So, Acts chapter 2. I don't mean to rearrange the furniture, but... Everyone smile at me real big. Let me see your pearly whites. Say, we love you, John. Thanks, I love you too. Just checking. Verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Who said that? Oh, come on, we just read it. No, God. Not Joel. Joel just repeated it. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Three questions. Number one, was he lying? Number two, did he know what he was talking about? Number three, do you think he had considered that in the 21st century, the move of the Holy Spirit would be politically incorrect? Did he care? Did he care that the move of the Holy Spirit would kind of be out of vogue? Even within the church? No. In fact, I felt the Lord speak to me a while ago regarding our local church, Gateway. He said, John, I want my church back. We had a service. We hadn't been going all that long. And there was, I don't know, probably 50 people at the church at the time maximum. And there was about 10 or 15 visitors, which is a lot. For, you know, if there's 40 or 50 people there and you've got 15 visitors, that's a lot. So we got to that point in the service we were worshiping where it could kind of go either way. Either sort of rain it in a little bit, which is sometimes it's fine to do. You just rechannel the anointing. Rain it in a little bit. And, and go through a message or just kind of throw caution to the wind and, and let it rip. And so I was wrestling within myself as to which was the right way to go. And I was sort of feeling like we were supposed to just worship for the rest of the service. But I thought, but these guests, they wanna, they're going to want to hear a sermon. They've come to sort of get a flavor for the church and probably wondering what I'm about. So maybe I should preach a message. It was a very nice one I had planned. And I felt the Holy Spirit ask me this question, not in a threatening way. It wasn't nasty. He said this. He said, John... Do you want your visitors back next week, or do you want me back next week? And again, it wasn't, it wasn't said as a, well, huh, <laughs> who do you like? It wasn't a choose this day. It was, it was direction setting for us as a church. Because there are two molds, models going on in the body of Christ today. And both have good theology. Both you can argue with scripture. I'm not sitting here saying which one is right or which one's wrong. But one of them says this, the church is first here to minister to people. And great theology, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we are first here to minister to and to reach people. And so we're going to structure everything we do and the way in which we do it, all the way down to the temperature of the room, the posturepedic seats, the little, you know, (laughs) spots, well, (laughs) cheek holes is what I was going to say, but, (laughs) oh goodness. (laughs) Uh, the food, the music, everything is going to be, the programs we do, everything we're going to do is going to be about reaching people, which is fantastic. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying one is right or wrong. That's one kind of mold or model. The other model is this. The church is first here to minister to the Lord. In model one, we're first here to reach people, and in some ways it's almost as if, well, I'll leave it at that. The other model is we're first here to minister to the Lord. Great theology, you can see it throughout the scripture. We're first here to minister to God and to a sense let the people come, perhaps dare I say second. 
And this was one of those moments for me, was God was saying, okay, John, which way are you going here? And I nailed my flag to the mast and said, God, for me, I'm first here to minister to you. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And I made a decision at that moment that we were going to be probably the most unsensitive church in our region. Probably. I don't know every church, but I know many of them. There's not hundreds of them, but I know most of them. Probably we're going to be the most insensitive church to the status quo of the society that we could possibly be in that region. And so the fear comes, but no one will come because you're told if you let sort of the Holy Spirit move, no one will come. No one's going to get saved because the move of the Holy Spirit is kind of offensive to the 21st century person. And so, you know, it's not what people are interested and out for right now. And so no one's going to get saved. John, you are doomed to have a church of 40 people for the rest of your life. Your glory days are gone. It's over. Well, I'm making a joke, but that's what you think. But I said, Lord, if it's just you, me, Angela, and Levi... I haven't moved 3,000 miles halfway around the world to be timid. God, I want you. I cannot tell you to this day if any of the visitors came back next week. I don't remember who they are. But if they didn't come, everybody else did is all I can say. And by the grace of God, Gateway is now one of the fastest growing churches probably in the country, but certainly in the region. There's a foundations group, New Believers group, which starts in about 45 minutes. There'll be over 50 people at it just to come in to the kingdom recently. As I look around the room, in my mind I'm picturing it there, and I can, I can point to literally Sikhs, Muslims, drug dealers, uh, blue collar, white collar, stuck up, broken, you name it. We've got, the other day I walked into the church and there was my, um, what did you say it was called again? What's that type of surgery? orthopedic surgeon standing, greeting people at the door next to a lady that we won't go into what she used to do, but what she used to do, she made a lot of money doing it. And there they are standing next to each other, greeting people at the door, and neither of them care less. Why? Because passion gathers here. I am convinced. I've been convinced since I was six years old, and I am still convinced now that the move of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit through the church is the answer for the world today. This is how Jesus gets spread abroad throughout all the world. Because Jesus even said to his disciples, you know what to say, you know what to do, you know what it's going to look like, you know what it smells like, you know what you're going to face, you know about the persecution, the highs and lows. You've got everything but wait. My blood has been shed It's been presented to the Father. I'm going back to heaven. You're armed. You're ready. But there's something else you need. Do not go yet. Wait. Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Then you'll change the world. The Holy Spirit is the forgotten element of the church today. I'm not necessarily talking about coming new life or Gateway Christian Center. That's my church. I'm talking about body of Christ worldwide. Preached in 32 nations and over, in over a thousand churches. The Holy Spirit is being left in the wings. And we're wondering, isn't it interesting how the more politically correct we come, the more of a repulsion to the world we are. Have you noticed? Look at society. Read the news. Watch what's going on. The church is not becoming more popular. Our message, although more relevant, has never been more irrelevant in the eyes of humanity. Now, I'm not saying we should just be nuts or stupid or flaky. Yeah. 
I'm not saying about being weird for the sake of being weird. I'm saying about taking a step back and saying, okay, dear Holy Spirit, sir, this is your time. We're your people. This is your church. Come and do what you want to do. Because God said in the last days, I will. I will. I will. Pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will. Everyone say, I will. Pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders. Everyone say, I will. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vaporous smoke. The sun shall. Everyone say, shall. Be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. In other words, before the trumpet sounds, God said, I'll pour out my spirit. And he goes on to say, and whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice what he said will be the end result of this outpouring. He ends it with what word? Saved. Saved. The Holy Spirit saves. Now, I don't mean in replace of Jesus. Jesus paid the price. It's his blood. The Holy Spirit comes to glorify him. But the Holy Spirit, when he comes, people get saved. We had a service in our church first few days into January. Felt the Lord say, preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We hadn't seen anybody saved for a few weeks. It had been Christmas and New Year's and moved into a new building and this, that, and the other. And preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. About 50 people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Speaking in tongues for the first time. It was wonderful. And like summer follows spring and autumn follows summer, salvation follows the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you get people filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't exactly know how or why, but people just start getting saved. When the Holy Spirit begins to move, people just start getting saved. It just happens because this is what God said He will do. When He pours out His Spirit, starts it, I will pour out my Spirit, and they'll be saved. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and salvation, my friend, they go together. If we have a heart to see people saved, and we do. If we have a heart to see a nation saved, we need a nationwide outpouring of the Holy Spirit. See, revival is a little bit like this. It's like, have you ever seen the movies where a big old bomb drops, big mushroom cloud type bomb, and up it goes, and you see in the distance, you know, up comes this cloud, and then it begins to spread out over all the region, and, or a different one where it drops, and then just everything's leveled, and the only thing standing at the end of it is Arnold. Everything else is flattened and leveled, and... You know, you've all seen the movies. You know what I'm talking about. That's a little bit what it's like when the Holy Spirit comes. He, he drops, as it were, somewhere. His presence comes somewhere. And, and this mushroom cloud almost goes up, but it spreads out. And it begins to spread out throughout all the region. That's what the move of the Holy Spirit looks like. He might, there might be an epicenter. There might be a place that he comes, but he he takes care of a whole region. What goes on in one place is felt in many places. This is what we need. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like this. A giant mushroom cloud. But can I bring it down a little bit? Some of you need a mini mushroom cloud to drop in your life. (laughs) Let's not worry about changing the world right now. (laughs) We're as dry as old boots. You need a mini mushroom cloud. This is what I'm saying. We're going to have to move these chairs out of the way later because when this mushroom cloud starts dropping, (laughs) could you imagine if a mushroom cloud were to drop in your house? 
Think about it for a minute. What about your school? How many of you are in school, college, university, something like that? What if a mushroom cloud were to drop right there? What's the, what's the name of the high school in this town? North Forsyth. Has it got a county at the end of it? Could you imagine if a mushroom cloud were to drop? Well, how is that ever going to happen? We need to know. We need to know. What about your business? We need a mushroom cloud to drop in Secure USA. We need a mushroom cloud to drop in some businesses around this city. What about our church? How awesome would it be if a mushroom cloud drops? Boom. I'm just painting a visual picture here, but this is what it's like. It changes things, flattens things, changes, rearranges the landscape. And can I be honest with you? Some of you have sort of lost a little bit of faith in this. Stir yourself. What's that song we sung earlier? Awake. We need an awakening. An awakening. Pat yourself and say, awake my soul. Do you feel like you're awake and the person beside you isn't? Awake your soul. It says, awake, awake, put on strength. This is what we need. See, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 68, verse 1 and verse 2, Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let also those who hate him flee before him. For as smoke is driven away, so God drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. Now that doesn't sound very nice for the wicked until you realize this. The battle that we face is not flesh and blood. God is not willing that any person should perish. So the wicked perishing is not necessarily so much wicked people as it is wickedness. Wickedness. There's some wickedness in this city that needs to flee. There's some wickedness knocking at the door of our teenagers. There's some wickedness knocking at the door of our marriages. Let me get, you got to understand, I live in a very, very, very rough area in one of the five most deprived boroughs in the entire United Kingdom. I used to live in Tyler, Texas, night and day. But I imagine problems are universal. There's some wickedness knocking at some relationships right now. What's the answer? Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Who is our enemy? Satan. What changes us? Let God arise. This is what we're going to do these next few days. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. We need an arising of God to happen someplace, somewhere. And let's make a decision. Might as well be here. We're coming anyway. We've got church the next three days. Might as well be here. We're going to be here. Huh? Come on, work with me. It's like if you're going to go to a Chinese restaurant, you might as well eat Chinese food. If we're going to come to church the next three days, we might as well have an arising of God and let something happen. We can either have a little best club. I've got some great sermons, some very funny stories. I can tell all of them if you like. Or we can have a move of God. That's what I want. I want a mushroom cloud to drop in my life and in your life. We are fighting a spiritual battle. It's not a natural battle. 
Natural weapons will not win it. It is unwinnable through the arm of the flesh. It will not be won by might. It will not be won by power. It will be won by the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is why God said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Why? Because this is how we win. This is how the victory is won. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So if we're going to win anything over the world, it's going to be by the greater one that's on the inside of us. Amen? It is not optional. It's not a wouldn't it be nice if. It's not, woo, our church might grow a bit. No. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I need it. You need it. We need it. Amen? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, and they pull down strongholds. Wickedness has a strong hold over this nation right now. But the weapons we have pull it down. Amen? There's some things I want to say. I'm not going to say it till at least Tuesday because I need you to make sure you know that I love you before I say them. So I'm going to warm up to each other for a couple of days. There is a, there is a power, there's a force that we have and that we're allowing to lay dormant, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been trying to fight with natural weapons, things like food, fun, entertainment, self-help. It's bigger than that. It's larger than that. It's greater than that. What we need is a move of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We are praying for spiritual fruit. Make no mistake about it. If someone's born again, it's, it, it's spiritual. The message of the gospel doesn't make much sense to your mind. We're not going to talk people into salvation. This is a spiritual thing. Right. It's, it's, it's when, the, when the Word of God is brought to life by the Holy Spirit. It's when faith is deposited, deposited in someone's heart. They call on the name of the Lord and they're born again. All of that is spiritual. If you're not born again this morning and you come up at the end of this service and you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, your hair will look the same. Your voice will sound the same. You'll be wearing the same suit of clothes when you go back as when you came up. It's not natural. Although it does affect the natural, it's spiritual. On the inside, you become a brand new person. We are looking for spiritual fruit. If someone walks into a service like this, and there's a crazy Pentecostal standing up the front praying in tongues, and they walk in, and their, their brain has been damaged because of drugs, and they walk out with their mind crystal clear, that's spiritual. If someone comes in and can barely walk because of arthritis in their knees, and goes out leaping, walking, and praising God, showing everyone, look, what I can do. And you buy yourself a P90X video. You're so excited about your knees. That is spiritual. But you cannot have spiritual fruit from a natural root. Spiritual fruit comes from a spiritual root. And what we have been trying to do is pick oranges off a banana tree. It's the spiritual equivalent. We've been looking for salvation and miracles and healing and deliverance and freedom and joy and righteousness off of a natural tree. And you can't find it there. We need some spiritual root for spiritual fruits. This is why even when I'm old and gray, I might talk a little slower. I might not move quite so quickly. I don't know. Perhaps I will. We'll find out in a a long time. But... I'm going to be just as on fire and just as passionate and just as convinced that this book right here and the message it holds and the power that it contains and the spirit that it fills you with is what we need. 
I was on the plane a while ago. must have been 2010. Maybe even coming here. I don't remember. And this person and I got to talking. We've been sitting next to each other. And you don't tend to talk to people on airplanes anymore. It used to be it was a great conversation time. It's not anymore because people got their headphones on and then the screen in front of all the movies. And actually, to be honest with you, it makes the flights a lot better. But conversation isn't so great. But I did get to talking to this person I was sitting next to. And, and um, we'd been talking for a little while. And he seemed kind of uppity, to be honest with you. But... We were talking, and, and he asked after a while what I did. And I don't usually like to say, because it tends to put walls up immediately. But, but I, couldn't, I couldn't avoid the, the answer without telling a lie. So I told him what I did. And he said, oh. And then he really got uppity. And so he started asking me some questions. said, do you believe this? Do you believe that? And I said, yes. And he looked at me, as down as you can look to someone you're sitting next to. And he said, he said you seem like an intelligent person. He said, please don't tell me. He said, in this modern 21st century society, he said, please don't tell me you actually believe in. And he kind of said it with a, he spat it out, creation, do you? And I said, yes. And this is the moment where as Christians, we tend to sort of cower a little bit and feel like an educational Neanderthal. And like we don't really know what's going on and we're just sort of hanging on to some. I thought, forget that. And so I puffed myself up as big as I could, bearing in mind I was buckled in by this little seatbelt. And I said, do you believe in evolution then? And he said, of course. And I said, you look like an intelligent person. <laughs> I said, you cannot honestly tell me that you really believe that one day a fish got up and walked out of the sea and now we're flying in an airplane. And he went, huh. <laughs> he put his headphones back on. I put my headphones on. I went, yes. <laughs> Why? Buddy, we're not going to be backed into a corner. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the Father. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the fact that when I was seven years old and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, something happened and it still happens. It goes like this. Why? He that speaks in an unknown tongue doesn't speak to man but to God. Mr. Hoity-toity Uppity, I'm not talking to you anyway. See, what are you going on about today? I'm talking about let's get back to some of the things we believe in. Let's get back to some of the things that changed the world. What's Jerry O'Dell doing in Pakistan? Do you think he's serving pizza? No. No, what's he doing? He's preaching the gospel. What was he doing in his hour and a half drive to the crusade? Why? He wants spiritual fruit. He wants people coming from the surrounding cities to that crusade getting saved. Amen. Amen. When I went to Africa with Reinhard Bonnke, 1.6 million people born again in five days. What were they doing? How did they get ready? What was going on on that platform? The fire of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. My friend, this is what we need. When I was praying just before I came to America last time, so about five or six weeks ago, and I was saying, Lord, what, what, why am I coming? What's this trip about? What's going on right now? And I felt the Holy Spirit say this. It was for me, but it's for more than just me. Sometimes God speaks something that really resonates in you, but you know it's, it's for a whole lot more people and a whole lot wider than you. So it sounds very personal, but actually it's very huge. And just as clear as day, I heard the Lord say, John, John, 
calling you to release my spirit in the church again. And so I came over last time with this burning message. It's time to release the Holy Spirit in the church again. But it's not so much that God's saying, John, you go do it. He's saying this, John, this is what I am going to do. Would you like to be part of it? It's the whole principle we're taught in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, when the Bible says this, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. It doesn't make any sense. If you're standing outside and it's pouring with rain, what's the one thing you don't need to ask for? Rain. An umbrella, yes. <laughs> be like me standing here saying, oh God, I need a gray vest, a blue and pink tie, and a blue shirt. Lord, send it. I mean, John, you're already wearing it. Pray for something else. No, what's the principle? The principle is find out what God is doing and do it too. Let the spirit and the bride say come. When God says, I'm releasing my spirit in the church again, what do we do? We say, okay then God, here am I. Bring it on. Release your spirit in me. Drop a mushroom cloud in my life. Why? Because then God said, if you ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain, God said, I will make bright clouds. In other words, it will go from rain, bright clouds, the margin of my Bible, yours probably does too, says lightnings. I will send lightnings and give them showers of rain to every man grass in the field. In other words, God says, I will, I will drop something. I will begin something. I will start something. And if you want it, then it will go from rain to a thunderstorm. It will go from some sprinkles to everyone having grass in their field. Amen. Something growing everywhere. See, God looks and says, are you hungry? Do you want it? What I've told you, do you believe me? Where I send you, are you going to go? When I speak, will you yield? And when the answer is yes, like Isaiah, who will go for me? Over here. <laughs> I will go. Look no further. When God says, I'm going to release my spirit in the church again. <laughs> Over here. God, here I am. I'm even wearing pink. <laughs> I never wear pink. So I can be unmissable. <laughs> well, I'm joking, but do you understand what I'm saying? God, here. Why do we raise our hands? Why do we get out of our seat and come worship at the front? Why do we respond to altar calls? It's us doing this. I say, well, you know, I, I watch it on TBN. Praise the Lord for TBN. But come on. There are many things you can find on Google, but you cannot find the anointing. You cannot find the fire of the Holy Spirit. Many things you can see on Christian TV, but you cannot get that something. And I'm on Christian TV and I go to Google all the time. My point is not dissing them. I'm saying that we need something tangible, something real. Amen. 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 The Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse 10 through 12. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Have you found it? John chapter 1, verse 10. Have a look there with me, please. He was in the world. The world was made through him, and the world did not know him. 
This is speaking of Jesus. I'm not trying to overly twist scripture. But I believe we could say today this. The Holy Spirit is in the world. The world was made through him and the world doesn't know him. He came to his own. That's now talking, that's even getting worse. He came to his own and his own didn't receive him. But, speaking of Jesus, as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Jesus came and people didn't receive him. Jesus came and people didn't recognize it was him. Jesus came and they thought he was more problematic than helpful. My friend, it's time to change that verse. I want it to read like this. He was incoming. Coming was made through him. And coming knew him. Amen. He came to his own. And his own received him. Amen. Amen. Let's kind of prophesy this verse a little bit. He came to his own. And his own said. And as many as received him. To them he gave power. Jesus put it this way, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll witness me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. It's the same anointing Jesus walked in. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You shall receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is why God said, and I'll close with this, in the last days, guys, it's my spirit that I'm going to pour out. Amen. We've preached that for years, but I, re- I believe the reason God put it in there so clearly, so succinctly, so powerfully and repetitively is because he knew in the last days people would begin to shy away from the Holy Spirit. And so ringing out like a clarion call, like a trumpet at midnight, is guys, never forget, in the last days, it will not be by might, it will not be by power, it will be by my spirit. So a wise man gets himself ready. A wise man makes sure there's oil in his lamp. That's us. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and close your eyes if you will, please. We're going to pray. Father God, we worship you. Lord, I bless you and I magnify you. And Father, we long for you. We long for your presence. We long for your anointing. We long for some mushroom clouds to begin to drop in different places around this city. God, in this church, in us, in individuals, in families, in businesses, in schools, Lord, forgive us for pulling back and and, and shying away. God, we are hungry for you. There's nothing else we want, in fact. Nothing else will satisfy And so, Lord, I ask you this morning, tonight, the next few days, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Fill us. We are here for you. God, we sung it at the start. We are here for you. We are here for you. Our hearts are opened. There's nothing else we want. We are here for you. And God, I pray, kick open some doors. Kick open some gates. Re-enter the places we've shut you out of. Come to the places we've never allowed you into before and change some things. 
Glorify Jesus. Lift up Jesus. Magnify Jesus. Father, we worship you.